You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, I'm problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me as always. Step hens. Dollar Bill Day. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> I'm touching myself. And Timmy C. Goo, goo, goo. Dave is awesome. And he got a new hat and a toy. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time moment draws. Get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't talk about butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually going to get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. You gotta play! Draw your right! Step Pow! Where is your hands? I'm growing the hair out. I'm... I'm Letting my luscious locks flow. Ugh, gross. Hey, that's my thing. You can't You're do stupid. <laughs> Hello, your mama. Your mama. Hello, and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Stevens. Step ins. Former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and Florida State Seminole legend, Ron Simmons, will not be joining us tonight. Oh, I was going to say, no, that's not who that is. Get in early. Joining me as always, Dollar, Dollar Bill Dave <laughs> <laughs> and Timmy C. Aaron Rodgers. Who day? Who day? Mm. Aaron. Day three points. Three points. They, they had a bad day. Um, I mean, the Bears looked like just absolute ass as well. Yeah, so. thanks for that, TJ. I was backing those guys. Thinking, uh, hey, they might be something. They got to play a tough were... team this weekend. Yeah, they're playing Kansas City this week. No. no oh, they're playing not. Tampa this week. They're playing Kansas playing. City the week after. It's, we should do a watch along. We should. F- Battle of FFP. Um, Tampa Bay I, versus Chicago. I posted on Twitter, I've never seen a head coach try as hard to not beat Green Bay as I'm watching Matt Eberflus do right now. Who? Our head coach, Matt Eberflus. Eber he, Bless you. he he's his thing is we're going to start every drive with a screen pass and then every fourth play we're going to run a screen pass <laughs> and then the sixth play well it is every fourth play because you go three and pass. out and then every first down you the next drive you start with a screen pass he almost got like four of the receivers murdered because green bay knew exactly when and where they were coming it was ridiculous anyway Please remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Popcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Popcast, and follow our Patreon network at on Twitter at Filter Free Net. And of course, watch on Premiere on Twitter. Timmy, what is available on well, our on Patreon net Patreon network? On the Patreon, you will get Legends. Let's rethink this. Footballers, which we just recorded, getting paid with Tim and Dave. By the way, it's so better when TJ is there in the background putting little nuggets up that we're talking about. 
Yes. You must join us from here on out. Okay. You're hired. <laughs> You're hired. You may get evolution of evil sometime. The fund director's busy working on Royal Rumble tickets and can't record a podcast with you. It is in Tampa. I'm in. Like I'm, it's like working with Dave. I'm looking Although real hard at that. This is two weeks in a row. I'm looking real hard at that. I'm getting ready to go on vacation, though. Of course. It's okay. We have plans. I'm going on vacation the same week, so I will make sure we get ahead on recording so that we can knock it out. Maybe I'll go Dave, on vacation that week. Dave is having a hard time adjusting to Alabama weather, apparently. Why? Because you've got something going on all the time. What was it you had last night? A homeowner's meeting? Yeah. How'd that, that go? Did you murder nothing anyone? to do with the weather, by the way. Did you get kicked out? No, I I behaved. But I wanted but I wanted to call her a see you next Tuesday. I gotta uh build another garage, so I have to attend all these meetings and get the lowdown on the rules and the regulations. I only have a two car garage and shit. Both our cars barely even fit in it. My truck's so damn big. Mm. But I gotta build another one for the golf cart. So I gotta Why don't you just I gotta go and one of them plastic sheds at Lowe's. Because I'm not poor. Mm. <laughs> it's fair. I have, I have a plastic. Got to fit shed. my golf cart, and my golf cart is <laughs> seven knew feet it. tall. I knew it was coming. <laughs> well, I, that's where I keep the lawn tractor and the chemicals are in. All right, the but plastic. he's he's building a garage for a golf cart. I mean, golf cart, lawn tractor, very similar. I don't. I don't have to. I don't have the room to add on, and I don't have a golf cart. So I'm trying to move out in the country. Country's trash. Skip that. Mm-mm. No. Of Gotta course. Be close to a Walmart so I can get my beer. I, I do that now. I'm very Walmart close to Walmart. Poor people. <laughs> it is. I hate Dave, Walmart. Dave shops at Trader Joe's. So <laughs> Whole Foods now. Go, uh, <laughs> go to www.watchonpremiere.com and there... You will get shows like Everybody's Got a Pod with Ted DiBiase, One of a Kind with RVD, Offer Chops with Jesse McKay and Cassie Lee. Stop yawning. Chop Sports Fight Factory, Talking with Friends. So says Sheridan I got it that time. On the Ropes, That Was Extreme, the Bobby Fish Podcast, the Undisputed Podcast, Pro Football News. Of course, we're there. And of course, we'd be remiss. I say this every week, and I mean it. Our close dear personal friend Efren on the game event and IRFB with Mike Kyoto. So if you uh, like to venture back and forth on watch on premiere, you will notice we just had three videos uploaded in the last two days. Uh, Starcast had something to do with that, but all, we are the Patreons caught up and now our stream on premiere streaming network is caught up. We are caught up. Love it. So, What's going on with you guys? Anything interesting? I was going to say, we have no music or movies, so let's just, let's bullshit a little bit. Anything that? interesting going on in wrestling? I, I really haven't noticed anything. It's been pretty quiet on wrestling Twitter. Um, I mean, a- AEW had a legit 412,000 people in 412,000, yeah. I was going to say, AEW measures their crowds like I measure my penis. Mm. On paid attendance and not turnstiles? So it's a... It's a, no, no, maybe it's opposite. 
Because I measure bigger on turnstiles than. No, you go off. You would go off theoretical attendance as opposed to people actually in the room. <laughs> That's how you do that. Hello, Amanda. Timmy's attendance is one. <laughs> yeah, all the time, every time. It's usually zero, actually. Well, you're one. That's it. So we've we've discussed this attendance thing in, in private with our text messages. Jack is upstairs. He's very upset about it. Um, <laughs> he thinks AEW is full of shit. Well, the issue is 72,000 is a hell of an accomplishment for a promotion that's four years old. Correct. And this is their first time in the UK. However, when you uh when they're when they're they're diehard fans, I don't mean all AEW fans, I mean the diehard fans. You know, the ones that uh make women who flip off Adam Page in the middle of a match quit Twitter because they harass her to no end. Dave Meltzer? Fucking people. But um when, when they build it up so much, this is going to be the greatest show of all time. And then Tony Khan says in the press conference with staff, it was almost 90,000 people. And then come to find out it was actually 10,000 under what you said. That's a big deal. To you be fair, like dingus. he had yeah. hired 10,000 more staff. They just didn't show up for work. I, I, I would I would bet money if Vince McMahon had a press conference at the WrestleMania three and they asked him about the attendance. He would say 93,173. He would say nothing about the staff. He said that afterwards in, in the, you know, the different magazine outlets and whatnot, because they disputed the actual number, but did you say magazine magazine. Okay. I'm still, I'm still a little sick. I got some drainage in the throat. So, Oh, some good. Words come so out you finally did get the crud. No, this, this is, st- this is ongoing. I've had this for several days. Pink eye of the asshole. He's got he's got pink eye in his brown eye. Medium medium rare eye. Hey. <laughs> um, so there's just that. a little bit of blood. Uh, we we found out Soraya does not understand the difference between being a dick and being a heel. They're two very different things. As weird as that sound, which is weird because I think she knows a lot about dick. Mm. Just just from things I've seen. That's hurtful. <laughs> it didn't look like it was hurtful. It looked like she was enjoying it. I mean, it. I didn't say it was untrue. Uh, but, and here's the thing. I mean, she if, made a joke about it. I didn't. Well, she did. But if you're listening she to this, said well, she, she didn't like trust people with cameras. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you go, oh, that's, that's low hanging fruit, that's easy. Well, quit calling Twitter users ugly every time they disagree with you. That's not being a heel, that's being a dick. Also, low hanging fruit, her. Uh, boob implants, mm. but she and also the, brought and the balls her. slapping on her cheeks, low hanging melons. <laughs> also, her, her her boyfriends don't have the best track record either. She's yeah, she's bad at picking dudes. What else happened? Um, Jade Cargill's going to WWE. Apparently, I I I would say I can't believe that, but after this week, I absolutely believe. I can't wait for the her and Charlotte match. I really can't. Well, we'll see if she improves in the ring because her ring work leaves a lot. It's okay. If she works with Charlotte, Charlotte, a carrier. Well, yeah. any anyone who doesn't think that she's going to NXT immediately and is going to be there for some time is a clown. I'm sorry, what? She's going to NXT. No. Yes. No, she's not. I bet what? she does. She's dangerous. She's going to SmackDown. No. We'll see. I think you guys should make a, a chess chop wager. 
I, I think Becky Lynch winning the NXT title is going to transition into Jade Cargill challenging for it. I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, you're gonna, and you're gonna like it. And uh, um, word word on the street is Ricky Starks might be looking for New Horizons on the future. In the future, on the future, I, the future. I I'm keeping my ear to the ground on that one. I, I've I've heard rumblings. Mm. Yeah, I, heard, I read that on Twitter today. I did. Yeah, that's where I saw it as well. Heard he's looking for a good lawyer. Mm. Anyone know a good lawyer? Morgan and Morgan for the people. By the people for the people. Mm. Uh, anything else? Are we ready to ready to get uh, 1984 rolling here? Yeah, I told you I wasn't doing any more shows pre 1989. Well, we we're doing one now, so I'm sitting this one out. Y'all okay, ahead. all right. Okay, we'll see you later. This week we're going back to. Come oh, on, harpsichord. I missed the cue. Hold on. Good lord. Damn it. I felt like I pitched real hard for that one. September 22nd, 1984. We're going to watch the Mid-South Wrestling. And this one was bizarre, even for Mid-South. However, before we get to that show, let's see what's happening in your world yesterday. Let's run through some events. Filter free up first. Stories that missed the cut. September 1st, Willie Totten, quarterback, 536 yards and nine touchdowns. Both won AA records in an 86 to nothing win over your Kentucky State. His number one receiver, some kid named Jerry Rice, who had 17 catches for 294 yards and five touchdowns, breaking his own total yardage record. Sounds fucking terrible. Just saying. Which part? I saw this week there was a high school game. Jerry Rice. Terrible. There was a high school game this week, and it was halftime. Halftime. The score was 96 to nothing. Wow. Did Did they bother coming back out in the second half? 96 to nothing. Because if I was the ref, I'd be like, you know what? Just go ahead and stay in there. We're done. I watched the um, the documentary they did on Bishop, uh, what is it? Bishop uh, BS. Bishop Sycamore or whatever it was. Yeah, Bishop Sycamore. About the con man that created that school. Wow, that dude's a trash bag. And he almost got some kids killed. I hate it. I hate it. Okay, I'm gonna have to watch this now. It's on uh, Max. I have. That's more than 13 touchdowns in 30 minutes of football. That's that's crazy. Actually, high school plays 12 minute quarters, so 24 minutes of football. Did, did the other team have eight players? I'm guessing it was 11 on three. I don't really know. I don't. That's the only way that makes sense. <laughs> they, they they had a punter, a kicker, and a holder. That's it. In a deep long safety. snapper. <laughs> September 6th, Amadeus, the play from Peter Schaefer, premieres in Los Angeles. It will go on to win an Oscar for Best Picture in 1985. Never Amadeus, seen Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. Rock me, Amadeus, Amadeus. For some reason, the Today Show did a remote episode from Moscow. <coughs> Social distancing. with one of Reagan's visits. Social distancing. Actually, that makes sense. It could have been. He went over there a lot. What does social distancing have to do with the Today Show going to Moscow? <laughs> Mikhail Gorbachev, tear down this wall. September 7th, Doc Gooden of the New York Mets strikes out 11, giving him the rookie record for strikes out in a season with 236. We've covered him extensively on this show in the past. He Tony Khan's favorite pitcher. A lot of coke. A lot of cocaine. September 7th, 
Janet Jackson marries James DeBarge, and it was annulled one year later. Nasty boy. Very I good. sees her boob. Well, just the one. <laughs> Actually, you only saw like a pasty. You just saw the meat. You didn't see but the it, nipple. I didn't say I said her nipple. I said I saw her boob. You should have slapped her, did he? Mm. Get you kicked no. off Twitter. That would get me kicked out of the Super Bowl. He, he would have gone to real <laughs> jail for that one. September 8th, Challenger moves to the Vehicle Assembly Building at the Kennedy Space Center. Unfortunately, we know how that ends. Yeah. September 10th, the first episode of Jeopardy airs with Alex Trebek as the host. And now we all know how that ended. That show's overrated as shit. Bullshit. That's because you can't answer questions. I love Jeopardy. I'm I'm the man, Kid Jeopardy. I kill it. Kid Jeopardy, I got it. Dave's like... Dave's like, y'all remember that show? Y'all are you smarter than a fifth grader? I was getting ready to say, I, I, I kick ass on are you smarter than a fifth grader? And it's like kindergarten, first and second. Once they get to like third grade, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. A lot of words. One time I almost got on Jeopardy. You would have lost because you're stupid. Probably. No, September that's f- two actually. Ken Jennings would have slapped you in the titty. Mm. Side titty. <laughs> September 14th, MTV holds its first ever MTV Video Music Awards with the Cars song You Might Think and David Bowie's China Girl both winning awards. That's racist. Dude, that used to be Can't Miss TV, and I didn't even know it was on the other night. Till the it night. was on last night. Two nights ago. Whatever. I used to love watching that. Apparently, my wife is downstairs remodeling the fucking house. What was that? What? Can y'all not get, like... Insulation in your house, or oh my god, I think she just body slammed the refrigerator. Jackson, (laughs) cream staying upstairs, he's bringing that back. September 14th, Gene Wilder marries Gilda Radner in France. That's two gingers. No, Gilda Radner, no, 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 she was not. Why would he marry her? Look her up. Have you seen him? There's this thing called love, yeah, and Gene Wilder was not exactly a looker himself. Yeah, but he he's was rich. You no, know, Willy Wonka. September 16th. Ooh, I bet she had a big bush. That's gross. But the, the hit <laughs> TV show Miami Miami Vice premieres on NBC. This show got bumped off the show for another TV show premiering this month. I don't know how you bump Crockett and Tubbs. Well, you'll find out later. September 18th. The a Detroit Tigers pop. clinched the AL East title. What did you say? Pudding pop. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> September 18th, the Detroit Tigers clinched the AL East title after spending the entire season in first place. That same day, Tim Raines of the Montreal Expos becomes the first player ever to record 70 bases in four straight seasons. First off, you're lying. 70 stolen bases, excuse me. The Cincinnati Reds of 1990 were the only team to ever go wire to wire first place. So you're full of shit on the Tigers spending the entire season in first place. Wrong. Okay. Okay. So it's like 98% of the season. Excuse me. Well, that's not all of it. (laughs) Okay. I hate Tim. I'm getting there. He's he's so stupid. stupid. Reds are stupid. September 23rd, Detroit Tigers legend Sparky Anderson becomes the first manager to ever win 100 games in both leagues. TJ, take a poop with your pants on. That's what you get. That's what you get. Hate you. September 24th, 
The Cubs break 2 million fans for in-home attendance over the course of the season for the first time ever and reward the fans by clinching the NLE's title. Wait a minute. In-home attendance? They had 2 million people that didn't go to the game? Yeah, it was empty every time. <laughs> I wonder how long it would take the Rays to do that. By the way, a week later, they would break their spirit when they got bounced from the playoffs. Yeah, this would be the year Chicago fans would build an unhealthy hatred of Steve Garvey and the San Diego Padres. Steve Bartman. That was later. I never hated Steve Bartman. Because, I, as I've always maintained, if anyone who says they wouldn't have tried to catch that foul ball is insane. I absolutely would have tried to catch him. There was eight people around him trying to catch him. I'd have punched Moises Alou in the dick to catch that foul ball. That would have been a great YouTube clip. This, he's throwing his tantrum. All of a sudden, the guy comes out and just punches him in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> Quit your whining, pussy. September 25th, Rusty Staub of the New York Mets joins Ty Cobb as the only two players to ever hit home runs as a teenager and then in their 40s. Rusty Staub is a great name for a human being. Has Pujols done this? When did he debut? I think he was I mean, 20. I hit a home run in my teens. I'm just Stop waiting it. to see if I can hit one in the next six years. You're running Did out you time. struck out in T-ball? Shut up. <laughs> it was slow pitch softball. <laughs> That's not better. September 27th, Avril Levine is born in Belleville, Ontario, Canada. But a... She's a skater boy. She is. She's a skater boy? No, she wants a skater boy. (laughs) Oh. September 29th. She's probably hot now. Okay. The cars lay down the song Drive, which peaks at number three, and Prince drops Let's Go Crazy as it peaks at number one. There's your music for the the show. Oh, no. If you mix them together. Drive me crazy. Well done, Dave. Okay. I can't wait for this next story. TJ, please go with this. September 29th, Elizabeth Taylor goes into rehab at the Betty Ford Clinic. Oddly enough, she meets her future husband, construction worker Larry Fortensky. All right. First off, hilarious. It was a construction worker and she was Elizabeth Taylor. Mm -hmm. Second off. How many times has she met her future husband? It's like 70. Well, what'd she have? Seven, I you think? You guys will never guess who I no. met at Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. I'm going to have my like, wife walk by. We'll catcall her while we put up this cinder block wall. Gave really? her the jackhammer right in her badge. <laughs> you have to excuse my hand I'm using the jackhammer But by the way at this point Elizabeth Taylor was probably 70 So that's kind of great Also um, when he told that story his friends were like I banged her the last time she was at the Betty Ford Clinic Three of the guys in the room were like I married her three years ago I yeah. banged her at the Betty Rubble Clinic Betty Rubble <laughs> <laughs> The Betty Rubble Clinic Klondike I need you. So, on she yeah. was born in 1932, so she was 52 here. Okay, yeah, same thing. September I 30th. She, I didn't know she died. Yeah, long. She just said she was born in 1932. I thought she was like 100. She's, and she she lived a very hard life, as we know from reading that story. Lots of jackhammering. 
<laughs> Lots of construction workers in that zone. Gross. September 30th, Mike Witt of the California Angels throws a perfect game against the Texas Rangers as the Angels win one to nothing. On that same day, Don Mattingly of the Yankees wins the AL batting title with an average of 343. So guess what uh, stat we're not doing for box score trivia? Donnie Baseball. Love it. Indiana legend. And I don't September know any baseball anyway. Do I? I wasn't really watching baseball when I was three. Sure you were. I mean, we're still going to do baseball. Just won't, we're not doing batting average. To be fair, I was old enough to be in MLB this year. I was born the next year. Yeah, I could have been a rated rookie this year. Mm. September thirtieth, Murder She Wrote, starring Angela Lansbury, premieres on CBS. She's that hot. show sucked. She say she's hot. <laughs> yeah, Angela Lansbury, sexy as hell. I guess if you're in, it depends and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. You know what really turns my, <laughs> turns me on? Blue hair. That really gets my mind. Hey, she around. had red hair till it turned gray. Let me take a swig here. September 1st. What a month for music. You're welcome, Dave. As we've already briefly mentioned some of the hits of the month, as we continue... As what's love got to do with it by Tina Turner goes what's number one. Love got to, got do, to do, got to do with it. it. Her first number one hit as a solo act, which seems impossible. What? Yeah, she'd been in the business forty four years at this point. Yeah, she. I know she was forty four at this point. You dick. Tina yeah. Turner. Came Tina out Turner. The womb. Gross. Tina Turner revolutionized the music industry in about three different decades. Here in eighty four, her fifth studio album, Private Dancer was released, and the single from that album, What's Love Got to Do With It, became Turner's most successful hit. This song represented her lone Billboard, again, her lone Billboard Hot 100 hit as well. That is crazy. So, wait, that... She didn't get in the top 100 with, like, I don't know. Well... well Quick, was, name one of her the- other songs. <laughs> He's trying uh, to right now. Rolling on a river. Way. What? What is? Uh, oh, um, I know big wheels about. keep on turning. TCR turn. ended up doing a cover of it. Yes, rolling. No, uh, proud Mary. That was Limp Biscuit. Proud Mary. Yeah. Proud Mary. Limp Biscuit. But I'm. Th- see, this is why I think she was part of uh, whatever group it was, the Vandrells or. Well, yeah, I think this is her only one as a single. Jacksonettes. The Turners. The Turner Five. Get the crack. The Turner uh, even over. Her, even though this was her only top 100 hit, it um, it did sell 2 million copies worldwide. Here at, no wonder why I knew what her age was. At 44 years old, <laughs> Turner became the oldest solo female artist to reach the top of the Hot 100, and it was the second biggest single of 1984 behind only Do You Know What Number One Was. When Doves Cry. Yep, it was When Doves Cry by Prince. That was number one. Beat it. I just said, When Doves Cry. Dave gets a point. No, I wanted Tina Turner to beat When Doves Cry. Dave gets six and a half points for TJ's Triviochi. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Millen of the Daily Vault described What's Love Got to Do With It as three minutes and 48 seconds of pop perfection. He was wrong. He was wrong. 
He noted that it is a soft synth driven track countered by Turner's battle weary voice, barely hiding her cynic in in her and stated that the song reeks of attitude and cigarettes and Paul Malls. <laughs> Along with being number one on the U.S. Billboard Top 100 for three weeks, What's Love Got to Do With It also spent five weeks at number two on the Billboard Hot Black Singles Chart. I'm sorry, never what? Reaching, hot Black Singles Chart. Oh, Jesus. Never reaching the top because of Prince's When Doves Cry. There That's you go, Dave Cheated. The song received three awards at the 1985 Grammy Awards, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Dave cheated. He knew the song because of the notes, so I'm going to give him another point. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it's Record of the Year. Stupid. What? What? <laughs> it's re Record of the Year. No, it isn't. You're a record. Right. <laughs> TJ, this shit's too easy. An early pioneer of 1950s rock and roll, Ike Turner is best known for his work in the 60s and 70s with his then-wife, Tina Turner, as the leader of the Ike and Tina Turner Review. The reviews came in poor. In 1960, Turner and two others were charged for, quote, Interstate transportation of forged checks and conspiracy. He's good. Were they working with uh, Barry Windham? No, not in 1960. Oh. In 1974, Turner and three others were arrested for using illegal blue boxes at Bullock Sound Studio to make long distance phone calls. I don't even know what that means. Nope, I have no it idea. Sounds bad. Sounds like something from. Where in the world is Carmen San, San Diego? That's what it sounds like. Before the age of 30, Turner did not use drugs or drink alcohol. In fact, he would fire anyone in his band who used any substances. Without him. But Turner was first introduced to cocaine by, quote, two very famous people he had been working with in an international hotel in Las Vegas. Would you like to know who it is? Uh, yeah, because I was trying to figure out in my head, like, it's 1974. Who could that be? Producer D'Angelo Proctor alleged that Turner's unsung documentary that the two famous people were Elvis Presley and Red Fox. That is a party, my friends. I would Elvis just want to hang out with Ike, Red Fox. Elvis, Ike, and Red Fox. Dummy. I was going to say James Brown. That would have been close, too. Yeah. Excuse me, Elvis. Can you stop shaking your hips? I'm trying to listen to Red Hot. Red Elvis, Hot. I don't want any peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Go away. Yeah, Dale Jr. <laughs> his addiction caused a hole through his nasal septum, the pain of which he relieved by using more cocaine. That seems like a bad idea. He eventually began freebasing crack cocaine. Wow. Through his nose. In 19, well, that would be really weird. In 1980, a SWAT team raided his Bullock Sound Studio, finding a live hand grenade and seven grams of cocaine. That's in my room right now. Turner received his first conviction for cocaine possession in 1980. Who doesn't have a live grenade just laying around the house? Right. 
In April 81, Turner was arrested for shooting a 49-year-old newspaper delivery man. First off, why are you 49 and delivering newspapers? Those guys used to make a kill him back then. But he accused the man of assaulting his wife and Thomas and kicking his dog. Why you kick my dog? You kicked my dog. (laughs) I'm in Twitter jail for two more days and 14 hours. Guys, I could literally do a whole damn show on Ike Turner and wouldn't need you guys at all. Next week or two weeks, I'll be on vacation. Go ahead. He is the fountain that keeps giving. I love Ike Turner. (laughs) (sighs) I just don't want to marry him because he might beat the fuck out of me. Yeah. 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 Fun. Hit me again. I can put some stank on it. (laughs) If I may quote. What's love got to do? Ow. Got to do with it. Nothing, apparently. (laughs) Shut up, bitch. Hit you in the titty. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. You'll get banned from Twitter. Or X. Well, let's go to a, a much more. I don't. I don't have a word for it. We'll just move into it. September third. Let's head onto the field as St. Louis Cardinals closer, and that pains me to say. And Chicago Cubs legend Bruce Suter breaks his own NL record for saves in a season with forty-five, as the Cards beat the Mets seven to three. The record stood until nineteen ninety-one, when St. Louis Cardinals closer and Chicago Cubs legend Lee Smith broke the record. Who? Lee Smith. Bruce Suter pitched in a day when all closers looked like either homeless fishermen or like Forrest Gump when he decided to end his run and go home. Uh, he would be in the latter on that one. If you're also confused how Suter got to save in a 7-3 to three win, that's because back in those days, the closers pitched two and sometimes three innings. Suter was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on January 8, 1953, and was a three-sport athlete at Donegal High School where he played baseball, football, and basketball. He was the captain on all three teams and was the starting quarterback for the football team. He was drafted by the Washington Senators at only 17 years old in 1970, but Suter decided to play baseball instead at Old Dominion University. Eventually, Suter dropped out of school like you do and played semi-pro ball at Lancaster. In September of 1971, Chicago Cubs scout Ralph DeLulo signed Suter. At just 19 years old, Suter had to have surgery to repair a pinched nerve in his throwing arm and then found after surgery his pitches were no longer effective. He learned how to throw a split-finger fastball, and after being nearly released by the Cubs, Suter's new pitch was nearly unhittable. I mean, Suter was good and all, but the dude never recorded one save against the Tampa Bay Rays. You're right about that. Trash. Trash. Just saying. Suda Suda appeared on Suda. his 13th Suda. baseball Hall of Fame Suda. ballot. Suda. Suda appeared on his 13th baseball Hall of Fame ballot in 2006. Bruce Suda. Sports writer Matthew Leach of MLB.com referred to this ballot as Suda's best chance for induction and pointed out that Suda would only be eligible for two more Hall of Fame ballots. Nearing Pete the end Rose. of his eligibility, Suter said he did not think about induction very often. It's just an honor to be on the ballot, but it's not something I think about much. I have no control over it. It's out of my hands. It's the voters. It's in the voters' hands. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't pitch anymore. There's a lot of guys that think I should be in that aren't in. It's for the special few people who get into the Hall of Fame. It shouldn't be easy to get in, he said. 
On January 10th, 2006, Suter was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in his 13th year of eligibility, receiving 400 votes out of the possible 520, which was almost 77%, and was the fourth relief pitcher inducted of all time. Dave, I'm going to tell you after reading that quote, I'm glad Bruce Suter wasn't a used car salesman because he wouldn't have sold shit. I mean, you can I buy a car if you want. I don't know. I don't I'm, I'm kind of good. There are guys who probably cars. deserve it more. I played for the Cubs, so that should automatically drop me out. Terrible. By March, I probably 19, wouldn't buy this car. Shitty. <laughs> it's only got one bucket seat. It uses a lot of gas. By March of 1989, Suter was dealing with a severely torn rotator cuff which is bad for a pitcher. And he admitted that he would unlikely be able to return to baseball. There's probably a 99.9% chance I won't be able to pitch again. He said, once again, being the consummate salesman. General manager, Bobby Cox said that quote, Bruce is not going to retire. We're not going to release him. We'll put him on the 21 day DL and then probably move him to the 60-day DL later on. Suter planned to reevaluate his condition after resting his arm for three to four months. Thank you, Bobby Cox. The Braves released him that November. Asshole. Upon the news of his death, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said, quote, Bruce Suter was the first pitcher to reach the Hall of Fame without starting a game. And he was one of the key figures who foreshadowed how the use of relievers would evolve. Bruce will be remembered as one of the best pitchers in the history of our most historic franchises. I don't, I don't know why he said two. He said two, but I feel like just the Cardinals. Uh, who thinks about the Cubs? Bitch, the Rays have Tampa Bay Rays legend Wade Boggs. You shut your whore mouth. He went in as a Red Sox, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Fred McGriff. Good Lord. Come on. Come on, man. He should have went in say, as a Blue Jay. So if you're not watching the video, you can't see this. So I put up a banner that says the Cubs have 14 Hall of Famers, fourth in the league. The Yankees have 27. The shit Reds have 10, and they've been a team since 1713, and the Rays have zero. It was uh, 18 and I immediately corrected you because Wade Boggs and Fred McGriff, there's two right there. Manny Ramirez will be in one day. There's I don't know if he's. I don't know if Manny's getting in. Oh yeah, drugs. Yeah, oh, fucker. Yeah. But let's stay with baseball. We're having such a good time here. September seventeenth, one of the greatest power hitters of all time, Reggie Jackson, records home run number five hundred, the thirteenth player to accomplish the feat. It's kind of crazy with the proliferation of power and, of course, the steroid scandal of the 90s. Reggie Jackson gets kind of lost in the discussion of greatest power hitters, but over the course of his 21-season career, few hitters did it as well as Jackson. Coming out of high school, Reggie Jackson was a highly recruited prospect after being a standout in football, basketball, baseball, and track. In 1962, while playing running back for the Cheltenham High School, I don't know why I put the in there, Jackson injured his knee. Like the Ohio State University. The the Cheltenham High School. (laughs) He was told by doctors to he would never play football again. 
Of course, he went on to come back and play in the team's final game of the season. And in that game, he didn't injure his knee again, but he did break his back, breaking five cervical vertebrae. He was told he would never walk again. But later that year, he played baseball and batted 550 and threw a handful of no-hitters. 550. They might have been wrong. Just yeah, a scoosh. I think your doctor is on the Muppets. I threw a no-hitter on Monday. Did you? Yeah. Against who? Yeah. Okay. Jackson was being <laughs> yeah. recruited by... Yeah. Yeah. He was being recruited by Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma, who are all willing to break their color barrier just to bring in Jackson. Again, it's 1962. He declined Alabama and Georgia, as Jackson did not want to play in the South, and declined Oklahoma, and I, this is my favorite sentence I wrote in this whole story, because the school told him to stop dating white girls. <laughs> <laughs> so he went to play for Arizona State on a football scholarship. While playing football, Jackson expressed interest in playing baseball to ASU baseball coach Bobby Winkles, great name, who agreed to give Jackson a look. One day after football practice, Jackson went to baseball practice and hit a home run on the second pitch he saw while still in pads. Jackson was named Mr. October for his clutch hitting in the postseason with the Oakland A's and the New York Yankees. Jackson helped Oakland win five consecutive American League West divisional titles, three straight American League pennants, and three consecutive World Series titles from 1972 to 1974. Jackson then helped the Yankees win four American League division pennants, three American League pennants, and back-to-back World Series titles in 77 and 78. In seven years, that dude won five World Series. That's a lot. That's a lot. He's good. Most notably, Jackson hit runner. Jackson hit three consecutive home runs at Yankee Stadium in the clinching game six of the 1977 World Series. Trey Parker caught that ball. I was just say, uh, basketball legend Joe Cooper was at that game. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Over the course of his 21-year MLB career, Jackson led his teams to first place 10 times and suffered only two losing seasons. That's unheard of. And I think that's when he was with Baltimore and California. I must kill the queen. Mm. Oddly enough, let's talk about his less than stellar film career. Or not. Naked. Jackson Jackson appeared in the film The Naked Gun yes. from the yes. Files of Police Squad, portraying an Angels three. outfielder, which, by the way, he was hypnotically programmed to kill the queen of the United Kingdom. I don't know why they didn't say the queen of England. Naked. That that doesn't that don't, I don't remember angels in the outfield being like that. He also <laughs> appeared in Richie Rich, the aforementioned basketball. Love it. Summer of Sam, which is one awesome. of the best movies ever. And I watched that movie about a month ago. One day I'm going to be a big sports star. <laughs> one day I'm going to own a big sports bar. In 1979, Jackson was a guest star in an episode. Of the television sitcom Different Strokes. Oh, and I got one of Britney's most beautiful in my mouth. God, those are, he's got a great filmography. He played himself in the, in the Archie Bunker's Place episode 
Reggie three RT zero, which is the spinoff of All in the Family, and not as good on that one. In 1990, MacGyver episode, crazy, called Squeeze Play. The Jeffersons episode, The Unnatural, from 85. And Malcolm in the Middle episode, Polly in the Middle, from 2004. Dude had cred. Sure. Jackson was also considered for the role of Jordy LaFiorge in the series Star Trek, The Next Generation, a role that ultimately went to LeVar Burton. Reading Rainbow. Thank God. Wasn't he known as like one of the biggest assholes? Reggie Jackson? Ooh. Yes. He, he did not have a uh, popular appeal outside of baseball, no. He knew his value, I think, is how they describe it now. From 1981 to 1982, he hosted Reggie Jackson's World of Sports for Nickelodeon. I didn't even know Nickelodeon existed then, Mm -mm. which continued in reruns until 85. Jackson was wild and crazy kids. Mm. You can't do that on television. It's like rain. Jackson was the de facto spokesperson for the Upper Deck Company during the early 90s, appearing in numerous advertisements, appearances, and participating in the company's Heroes of Baseball exhibition games. Dude had star power. You know, we, we, we just talked about Reggie Jackson, who had over 500 home runs. Bruce Suter, who had exactly 300 saves in 12 seasons. I, th- I think uh, I think I'm getting ready. But it's September. Let's do NFL. You guys ready? We're not doing that. I run this. You do not. Let's do golf. <laughs> but today, I'm the greatest of all time. So, again, we're not starting off with batting average leaders because we know Don Mattingly was the league leader. Tony Gwynn. We're, we're going straight to home runs here for 1984. Let's see. Kurt Reggie Jackson. I think you can get four. Kurt Gibson. No Kurt Gabson or Reggie Jackson. Who is Kurt Gabson? Kurt Gabson. <laughs> Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly, no. No. Uh, Wade see. Boggs. Daryl nope. Strawberry. Nope. Shit. Mm. Mm. Wow. 84. Ozzy Smith. Yep. Garrett Pedro Guerrero. Nope. Ozzy Guillen. One of the one of these guys we've covered before because he hit a lot of home runs, but he batted like 113. What was the catcher from the Rays last year? <laughs> yeah, that's who I was just thinking of. What's that oh, uh, name? <laughs> uh, Greg Zanino. Nick Asaski. Mike Zanino. Mike Zanino. No to all of that. Dave Parker. Did you say Mike uh, Mike Asaski, the guy that made the Little League videos? Nick Asaski. Whatever. He was first baseman for the Reds. 
Dave Parker. No. Jesus, this is what this was a dead area for baseball. Uh, um, I'm going to give you the teams of the of the guys I thought you would get. Won't matter. Atlanta, Philadelphia, Dale Murphy, Dale Mike Murphy, Smith. second. They were both tied for second with 36. And then the other one, well, the one, we, the one we've covered was from Oakland. And another Gary guy, Ricky Henderson. I got criticized for putting him in the same category as Ted Williams. And it's not Jim Rice. It's the other one. Oh, God. That's how forgettable he is. I don't know. Carl Yastrzemski. Nope. Mike Yastrzemski. Nope. Steve Yastrzemski. Yep, that's it. You got it. Steve got Sack. It. No, not Steve Sachs. Here's Andre Dawson. Yastrzemski. Nope. Here's the rest of your top 10. All tied for 10th. Boston Red Sox legend Dwight Evans with 32. I said oh, that asshole. Ron Kittle of the Chicago White Sox. George is dead. And Tom Brunansky of the Minnesota Twins. Is that the guy that had the youth baseball videos? No. Tom Brunansky? Oh, Tom Amansky. Fred McGriff was in those. Yeah. All tied for fifth, Andre Thornton, Lance Parrish of the Detroit Tigers, and Dwayne Murphy. Dwayne Murphy. Dale's brother, Dwayne. Fourth from the Oakland A's, Dave Kingman with 35. Uh, Fuck that guy. And league leader of the Boston Red Sox, Tony Armas had 43. I think it's a Ramos. No, it's, it's definitely Armas. I'm looking at it. Let's go to top 10 RBI leaders. I think you guys are going to cut more of these. We'll do, let's see if you can get four. Dan Klingman. Because a, a couple of the guys you d- you did say for home runs is, are Klingman. on the RBI list. I'm going to give you that. Dave Kingman is third with 118. <laughs> Even though you definitely said Dan Klingman. <laughs> Dave Parker. Dave Parker, no. Parker Lewis can't lose. To, to the surprise of no one, there are no Reds on this list. Carl Yastrzemski. No. Jim Rice. Jim Rice, second. Wade Boggs. There's, there's two. Wade Boggs, no. Donny Baseball. Don Mattingly tied for fifth, 110. That was one my more. next pick, you asshat. Tony Gwynn. No to both. Doc Gooden. Mike Zanino. Nope. <laughs> Carlton Fisk. Actually, he was still playing here, but no. Holy He's shit. Not a good hitter. I mean, he um, played until like 92. Albert Bell. No. Reggie Bell. Nope. Alan Trem. <laughs> Andre Dawson. Wow. Philadelphia, Montreal, Minnesota. Michael Jack Schmidt. Mike Schmidt tied for eighth. Come on. 106. We got it. Here's the rest of your top 10. You By need way, at least three get Red one, Sox. Jimmy. Come on. Three Red Sox in the top 10. Number 10 is Dwight Evans, 104. Who? Tied, tied with Mike Schmidt, Gary Carter of the Montreal Expos. Oh, fuzzy Seven. Kent Herbeck of the Minnesota Twins, 107. Badass Kent Herbeck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> tied with Mattingly of the Baltimore Orioles, Eddie Murray, 110. Fat-ass Eddie Murray. Fourth, Alvin Davis of the Seattle Mariners. I don't know him. And uh, first, Tony Armas of the Boston Red Sox at 123. Let's see if, uh, let me pull this and see if we get a skip saves. 
Oh, yeah, we're going to skip saves. Well, let's go straight to wins. Because there's no – Bruce Suter. Roger Clemens. They're going to get Jesse Orozco or Ron Davis. So we're going to go to wins. Nolan Ryan. Two, three. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Roger Clemens. Ron Darling. No and no. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart. No. Dave Rigetti. He's on this. He's on the saves list, and I just said that. Mike Spaghetti. Mike Spaghetti. <laughs> uh, Friedrich or what? Friedrich. Whatever. Mom whatever Spaghetti. the guy from Detroit. There Friedrich. are two. There Friedrich. are two pitchers here on on here from Detroit. Jack Morris. Jack Morris tied for fourth with nineteen. The Bird. Friedrich. Whatever his name is. Oh, uh, Larry. No, it's. What the hell's his name? Well, you can quit thinking about it because he's not on here. Oh, well, shit. Um, um, the one fat guy, the Hispanic fat guy. Fernando Valenzuela. Fernando Valenzuela. Yeah. No. He's not on there. No. What? He had like Dave Ruth. years. Again, if I give you the name, he ain't on the list. Dave Steeb. Dave Steeb. No. Good guess, though. I like that one. Um. Oh. Uh, Timmy said one earlier for RBI or home run leaders as a joke. Brett Saberhagen. Brett Saberhagen, no. I said one is a joke for home yep. run leaders. One more guess each, unless you Rick want teams Bell. first. Carlton Fisk. Nope. Here we go. Here's your top I'm 10 think tied- of RBI baseball guys. Tied for, <laughs> tied for nine. <laughs> Doyle Alexander. Nope. Bud Black. Nope. Uh, Giants legend, Bud Black. Mark Langston, the guy who was trained for Randy Johnson. Royals legend. Milt Wilcox and Dwight Gooden was 17. I said Doc Gooden. Gooden. Did you? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But he did sing cocaine, so. He did. Dan Petrie of the Detroit Tigers had 18. Frank Viola with 18. And Mario Soto of the Cincinnati Reds with 18. Great changeup. Tied for uh, for fourth with Jack Morris. Burt Blylevin had 19. Tim Wakefield. And your league leaders with 20. There's three of them. Mike Boddicker, Joaquin Andujar, and Rick Sutcliffe all had 20. I literally heard of gingers on that list. I don't like and, it. And that was box score trivia. We're going to go into the final story in the wheelhouse. Here we go. This is one of the ones Dave's been waiting for. September 20th. This month was a great month. We're debuting television shows. We did. uh, We mentioned Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) I'm really trying to talk over him, and it's not working. (laughs) Mike Rice was one. And one of the biggest uh, shows of our childhood, of our age, is the Cosby Show. (laughs) If you haven't got the uh, Jello Pop in. (laughs) 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 Unfortunately... Right. The realization of the monster that is Bill Cosby that came out in later years has since tainted his career as well as this show. But there's no question that the Cosby show paved the way for shows with predominantly black casts and has been described as inspirations for In Living Color, which I love that show, and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fire Marshal Bill. Uh-huh. Yep. It has also Let been me show you something. <laughs> it has also been, where was I at? Been credited for reviving the sitcom genre and put NBC back on the map for primetime rating success. The show is centered around the Huxtables, a black upper-class family in Brooklyn Heights, New York. 
The father, Cliff, is an obstetrician, and his Shocker. wife is a lawyer, Claire. What? The fact that Cliff is an obstetrician. Yeah. Shocker. The couple have five kids, Sandra, Denise, Theo, Vanessa, and Rudy. On top of being a well-written and acted sitcom, the show also tackled real-life issues, like Theo having dyslexia, which was inspired by Bill Cosby's son, Ennis, who fought dyslexia. The character of Sandra was created after Bill Cosby wanted to express the accomplishment of successfully raising a daughter who graduated from college, so she's a vanity character. Over the years, The Cosby Show has generated $2.5 billion in television revenue, including $1 billion from television advertisement and another $1.5 billion from syndication. Because you see, the kids, they're eating the pudding. The pudding pop. (laughs) By the way, TJ did that way better than you. Well, I never said I was a Bill Cosby cosplayer. That's off, TJ. That that was good. (laughs) The show's portrayal of a successful, stable black family was praised by some for breaking racial stereotypes and showing another part of the African-American experience. However, it was criticized by others, including Henry Louis Gates Jr. for allowing white audiences to think that racism and poverty were problems of the past. What? Well, That's to be weird. fair, if, if they were poor and black, no one's going to watch the show. Uh, they would. Good times? Oh, yeah, good times. That's true. For all eight seasons, the Cosby Show aired on Thursdays at 8 p.m. In its first season, the show was the beginning of a Thursday NBC schedule that allowed that followed, or that was followed by Family Ties, Cheers, Night Court, and Hill Street Blues. That murderer's row of television. Yes, right good there. lord. Except for Hill Street Blues, who gives a shit? I don't even know what that is. That's the only one I've never heard of. The other three? It was like the predecessor for Law & Order, but not as good. The Cosby Show is also one of only three television programs of all time that were number one in the Nielsen ratings for five consecutive seasons. The other two are All in the Family and that trash-ass American Idol. I was just going to say, I find it odd that All in the Family and The Cosby Show were the were the what? That's weird. What does it say for us as as we've progressed as a society that the the two first shows were All in the Family and The Cosby Show, and then our generation grows up like, hey, we want to watch people be terrible at stuff. Let's watch American Idol. I was just thinking, like, we really like white people and we really like black people. Because all of the family was like highly racist. Well, that was, I mean, that was the point, right? They tackled societal issues. Yes. Yeah. TJ, too easy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bite. Okay, good. Whew, whew. Pudding. <laughs> Stop it. See the kids. <laughs> J E L L O. I don't think it's the kids that have to worry, it's the women. During the series run, the, the character of Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> Damn it! If you take this pill, you won't feel a thing. You. He put it in their drink. It's fine. During the series run, the character not, of- That's not fine. <laughs> that's not fine. That's not the response to that. That is not the response to that. That's fine. It's not rape Whatever. if you drink the pill. Yeah, they didn't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know if we can hear any of this. 
<laughs> Eat this jello, whore. Oh. <laughs> taste this pudding pop. Why does this taste like GHB? Gross. <laughs> also, why is there a hole in it? <laughs> Why's your dick in oh! <laughs> Yeah, we can't we can't air any of this right now. <laughs> sure we can. During the series run, the character Cliff Huxtable frequently wore an array of knit sweaters that were often brightly colored and featured abstract, asymmetrical patterns of themes. Gross. They were dubbed Cosby sweaters. A term that is used to describe sweaters that are generally gross, deemed garish and unappealing, much like Cosby himself. They're still called Cosby sweaters. Yeah. In May 2008, Cosby's daughter, Evan, auctioned a batch of the sweaters that her father had kept on eBay. They have since been gathered up for GHB testing. Sorry. Is that is that real? No. I was going to say, that was incredibly stupid on her part, if that is true. <laughs> Reruns of the Cosby show have been pulled from several networks and venues as a result of Bill Cosby sexually assaulting several women with pudding pops. In November 2014, TV Land pulled the series from its lineup, which that's that's a sign things are getting bad. Mm. Quote, episodes have been pulled immediately for the foreseeable future. TV Land even removed references to The Cosby Show from its website on Wednesday afternoon as the scandal accelerated. Yeah, they jumped out quick. In December 2014, the Magic Johnson-owned network Aspire removed the show from its lineup. When Magic jumps off, you know you're in bad shape. Mm. But there's a winner. TV One, which I don't know who that's owned by, but I bet they're winners, began airing reruns of Cosby Show on May 2017. It is the only American network to offer the series but it's also available on Amazon Prime Video and Philo. Hey, guys, we could be the only ones in the Cosby Show market. <laughs> what are we waiting for? They're also um, re-airing Jell-O Puddin' Pop ads. It is headquartered in Silver Spring, Maryland. And, uh, the Cosby the, Show? No, the, the uh, TV One. And the channel... Or the programming targets African-American adults with a broad mixture of original lifestyle, entertainment-oriented series, documentaries, films, music performances, and re- reruns of sitcoms from the 70s through the 2000s. So there you go. Weird. Um, and for those of you who may be wondering, like, boy, I wonder how they feel about Bill Cosby. We, a uh, long time ago, we, we did like a whole 10-minute segment on the show as uh, Talking about how ridiculous it was, he got uh, the the technicality thing. So, Bill Cosby. I think we bag. all said we hope he died. Yeah, he's a dirtbag. Pretty bag. sure that's how it went. But let's just jump into since these two clowns didn't do their homework. Mid South Wrestling, September twenty second, nineteen eighty four. We are joined by Jim Ross and our favorite Joel Watts is here with us. A goo. Yeah. No fantastic. Oh, well. Uh, there is no have you synced it this week? No. But we're going to give TJ 14 points anyway. Thank you. 
Ghostbusters. By the way, I, I I happened to look at the Billboard Top 10, I think. Well, I did for the Tina Turner. And we research. covered most of them. Yeah, and in the Top 10 for... Actually, no, it was the entire year uh, for 84. In the Top 10 was the Ghostbusters theme song. Pretty sure we've done it. Which makes me happy. After the show opened, we are joined by JR and Joel Watts as they announced the main event for the show. Our boy, Terry Taylor, is going to take boy. on Hercules... For the TV title metal thing. They also say that the exotic Adrian Street will be on the show. And this actually perked my ears up. I've never seen him wrestle before. Joe Exotic? No. Not even close to the same guy. Uh, okay. Good. Um, uh, JR, uh, we have an exciting night of wrestling here at the Mid-South Coliseum. A goo. Is there anyone more useless in wrestling than Joel Watts? Tony Khan. Apparently, he was a very good producer, but that was about it. Tony Khan. Then, then, Daddy, why do I have to be on the screen and look like a dumbass? That's a fair question. All I can think of is, boy, I hope Terry Taylor's on this show because it's Mid-South. He is. I was not disappointed. Thank you. Wait, where the fuck is Boyd Pierce? In the ring. So him and JR just swap spots. Yes. And JR over here sweating his ass off while Baby Watts has a fan. Just you can see it blowing on him. And JR's just in there cooking. going, I'm dying. He's I got cooking. meat falling off the bone. <laughs> then we go to a clip from last week's show as Master G and Butch Reed have an altercation. I'm sorry. Brown. Who? Huh? Master G? Yeah, Master G. I thought you misspelled it. Okay. No, Master G has his fist taped up to his like his shoulder. Make him say, Ooh. and is attacking Butch Reed as Reed starts bleeding. Nah, nah. Makes you wonder if that's where he got his name, Master G. Never heard of him, so I did some digging. Me too. Apparently, after retiring from the CFL in 1980, Master G, whose real name is George Wells, started his wrestling career. Ah, that's where I've seen him before. After a short-lived run here in Mid-South, he ventured over to the World Wrestling Federation where he was mainly used as a preliminary wrestler on primetime wrestling, although he did have a little success when teaming with Lanny Poffo. Mm, it's the poetry. He was also the first regular tag team partner of none other than Bret Hart. Nice. That was a shitty tag team. I already hate this guy. <laughs> Master G whooping up on Butch Reed, which I was shocked by. So Bill Watts says that Master G comes in looking like a mafia person. I'm not sure Bill Watts has ever seen a mafia movie then. If he no. thinks that George Wells looks like he's in the mafia. They're, they're famous. Mafia people are famous for taping their fists. They're white. Is that too? Master G, like Dave said, would go on to job in the WWF just a year later, but he was involved in the WrestleMania II Battle Royal was. between football players and Andre the Giant. <laughs> that was very nice. And uh, I think Bret Hart was there too, but he got eliminated. And Master, uh, Master G, <laughs> Joe Watts, I love him. 
<laughs> He's talking about Master G's big stick. I'm 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 so confused. I hate him. I hate Joe Watts. Joe Joe Watts canceled the wrestling for me. Look at Master G's big stick that he's strictly using. for the, the 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 entertainment factor. I love um, Joe Watts. Um, Jr. He's got a big stick. <laughs> What's he gonna do with his stick, Jr.? Oh gosh, Jr. <laughs> he, he's done stuck it up Butch Reed's butthole. It's what? Every time you hear Jr. and Joe Watts together. Joe will say something and you just expect JR to just go, Jesus. <laughs> I would like to see, I would like to see Joel Watts from 1984 <clears throat> calling wrestling with JR from 2023. Oh, it'd be great. God damn, yes. boy. Listen what here, dumb shit. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> but he doesn't, that's what uh, is upsetting. Maybe that's why they broke him off from Excalibur. He never said anything negative to Excalibur. If there's one person you should, it's him. And he, just, he never did. It's upsetting. <laughs> now so we get, Joe Bay Macarena Supercita. <laughs> Was there Macarena a Macarena in the middle? Of it? <laughs> now we get an interview between JR and Master G. Uh, I will give him this. He's huge and describes yeah. his experience in Japan. And now he turned down a $5,000 contract to wrestle at MSG to whip a nickel worth of booty, as he said. <laughs> Then he trashes JYD term at that time. Oh, then he trashes JYD and lays out his plan to clean up the mid south. Nickel in your booty. Ew, not in. You be shit nickels. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have Hercules, Buddy Landell, and Butch Reed in the ring with some guy in a suit and mask. That's obviously Jim Cornette. And for some reason, Cornette's just standing there and not talking. Of all the people that's in the ring, he should be talking. Butchery is screaming for Master G as we get ready for the next match. I'm so confused. Reed's cutting a promo. Hercules is posing, and someone's throwing feathers on Butchery. What is going on? <laughs> Buddy Landell and the feathers. This was All the whole show. show. This was the whole show. This was like a USWA show. Just listen to Bland- uh, Landell. This is all I said the entire show. You tell him. You tell him, Butch. Yeah, you get him. He's lucky I got to be here. Match one. Because I'd Rick throw was, feathers on him. Yeah, I'm going to hit him with my pillow. <laughs> Rick, I can't wait to watch Buddy Landell in a steel cage pillow fight. Mm. <laughs> Rick McCord and Steve Miller take on the Mid-South Tag Champions, the Midnight Express. The Express take control from the beginning and never relinquish it. Condry destroys McCord with a ton of backbreakers, and eventually Eaton comes in for the knee drop and the pin. Jim Cornette in a mask the best he's ever looked. Mm-hmm. Do you guys notice they misspelled his wife? Do you guys notice they misspelled Cornette? No. C O R N E T T. Jim Cornette. Oh, good. Goddamn. Where's the E, motherfucker? I still think the best version of the Midnight Express is Beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan. Yes. You are correct, sir. Yes. And I had to watch every single second of this show. Because I will never not make fun of Joel Watts and his yes, commentary. Absolutely. He is the worst. First thing I thought, because we had done Primetime 91 before, Hercules looked like a million bucks here. Because I shit on him last week because he looked like trash. 84, Hercules. Peak. Yeah. Look great. 
I'm thinking Steve Miller should have brought his band with him, though. Or maybe jump on a jet airliner. Well, they, they were here, but they took the money and ran. Big old jet airliner. We're back in the ring with Butch Reed and Buddy Landale, and for some reason, Dave, Landale what are you doing? Here? Like folding newspaper in the background. I what? can hear you. I can hear Dave just. But can you hear Buddy Landell's bag of feathers? Yes. Poof, poof, poof. Why is Buddy Landell still throwing feathers? He never stopped. All show. I asked the question, is every segment of the show going to start with Butchery cutting a promo while feathers get thrown at him? And here's the weird. And by the way, they do shit. They never explain it until the the payoff. Just, just catch these feathers. Yeah. And then the best part is the feathers are in the ring during the next match. Yes. Every all every over the time, ring. Every time. <laughs> Terrible. It's like they're wrestling at the Playboy Mansion. Match two. Action Mike Jackson takes on Adrian Street. I love how Street works in the ring as a heel. He gets an arm bar on Jackson, and when the ref goes to check on him. Street is wrenching on the fingers of Mike Jackson. Love that move. Jackson does get some offense in, but eventually Street proves to be too much, and he gets the win. This was also a masterclass by JR on how to get a new character over from the announce desk as he said things like, don't let the packaging fool you. Underneath that long blonde hair is two cauliflower ears, and you have to earn those. Good old action Mike Jackson. That's my dude. He's our new Terry Taylor. He's on every show we do. I was so hoping he was going to walk to, the Up ropes. to 2023. Yeah. I seen him wrestle in 2023. He looks like, if you imagine Stu Hart from 93 getting in a wrestling ring, it's action Mike Jackson now, a little bit yeah. skinnier. <sighs> but I love this Adrian Street gimmick. It's great. <coughs> and did you know Street and his servant, Miss Linda, actually got married in real life? 21 years after this because they were dating street passed away in july of this year at the age of 82 yep yep he was so he was he was like 43 years old here yeah he said he had a long career in england before this yeah but it was so good street won pretty quick i was just pissed mike jackson didn't walk across the ropes that was lame mm. so if you want to look up the magic that is adrian street um rhino video did a um they worked with memphis and uh what was the place that macho man wrestled before icw yeah they worked with them and they did a video in like 87 and it was just like music videos done by wrestlers um adrian street does a great working his gimmick video and the song was called I'm so in love with me. It's great. Actually, I have a card from ICW in 1982 framed on my wall. Um, yeah. Uh, so Boyd Pierce dressed like a million bucks here. He's got some sort of fancy suit with, it's red and uh, it wasn't blue covered in clouds this time. Either. Yeah. So that's, and that's he, and he spoke, 
His voice must have hurt after speaking here. He didn't just go, here's Bill. But with Adrian, I, yeah, I can't imagine this gimmick getting much heat in Mid-South Wrestling in 1984. Mm. I think they'd be very open to that sure. character. And did they say that Adrian was from the Royal Forest of D? It sounds like our fun director would enjoy that place. Hmm. I'm going to leave that one live. Match three. <laughs> Dale VC and Don Saunders takes on Brickhouse Brown and Johnny Mantell. Double D. I, I have to admit, when they announced my Mantell, I said to myself, man, Ken Mantell looks different. And then I realized it wasn't Ken Mantell. Overall, this match was pretty sloppy. And obviously, I Mantel, thought it was Dutch Mantell. Yeah, I was thinking Dutch Mantell looks weird with all, all the back hair. Yeah, he actually <laughs> looks like a human and not a teddy bear. Mantel and Brown get the win after a side rushing leg sweep from Mantel. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brickhouse Brown has been on every Mid South show we've ever watched. Yep. Yep. How did he not get on any real TV? Two right question. That was real TV. And you gotta love how Suplex wins a match back in these days. Suplex. Mm. All I could think was I've heard of Brickhouse Brown. That's about it. Okay. We go back to the ring to start the next match, and Butch Reed and Buddy Landell, they're back in the ring yelling and screaming for Master Damn D. It! As Magnum TH stands there and stares at him, I like that subtle part of the promo with Magnum just standing there staring a hole through him. Do we need a Butch Reed promo <laughs> prior to every single match with Landell throwing feathers still all over the ring? Son of a bitch! Butch Reed, quit it! Wait, did he just say cum sucking? I don't think that's what they said. I think it's what he said. So in back-to-back matches, you've got the Forest of D and Tum Sucking. Terrible. What, what's going on in your house, Timmy? Fun director is enjoying this show. Oh, way to deflect. Match four. Art Cruz takes on North American champion Magnum TA in a non-title match. When uh, TA came out, they said the North American title weighs 27 pounds. Why? They're underestimating. They're pushing Cruz as an up-and-coming challenger, but Magnum has control for most of the match and hits the belly-to-belly for the win. <sighs> Why did they feature champions on TV against prelim wrestlers back in the day? It's called a jobber match. Put your, You don't put a champion in the ring with a jobber. You do. A lot is dumb, dumb. And why is no one sweeping up these damn feathers? <laughs> there, there was career. an opportunity for like a bissel. Mm. You, Magnum's you like career some... had two more years after this, and it was over. Yep. Crazy. Oh look, another suplex for the win. Suplex. Art Cruz, or as his friends know him, Little Dutch Boy. Nice. Great haircut. And they talk about the North American belt. They aren't kidding. That thing is heavy. I've held it. 27 pounds is underestimating. I. It's every bit of 40. Well, do you know it doesn't weigh 40 pounds? What's Terry up, Taylor? He's nuts. Match 40. Match 40. Match 5. <laughs> I would have killed myself in 40 matches. 
<laughs> Match five, Terry Taylor defends the TV title medals against Hercules Hernandez. Apparently the medal is missing as Dr. Death let it get gross. So it's getting refinished. The crowd was absolutely into this match. And as Taylor gets the upper hand, we get a ref bump. This brings out Dr. Death with a football helmet mm-hmm. on to start attacking Taylor. Which is Her- weird. It's, it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Hercules holds Taylor as Williams swings the helmet, swings it like a, like, like a <laughs> Miles like Garrett. Was, yes. Was that he was trying to murder him and uh, he hit him. He hit Terry Taylor swinging a football helmet McCord and whatever his partner's name from earlier came out and they got beat up. The beatdown continues till Brickhouse Brown and Manny TA came to the rescue. Why do we always have to see this tool, Terry Taylor? He was huge in Mid-South. This match, this match would have been a squash in WWF with the Red Rooster versus Hercules. Rooster barely beat the Brooklyn Brawler at WrestleMania 5. It's true. But I thought nothing was better than Dr. Death coming in wearing a helmet. He looked so stupid. It was the greatest TV of all time. It's funny how in sync we are, Dave. I said, crazy. This is the main event, but WWE would have a lower mid car. Of course, Terry Taylor getting his metal polished. What a dumbass. Better than his knob polished on TV, I guess. No, it would probably be better. I don't want to see that. JR says this match could be a main event anywhere except WWF. Yes. And what is Dr. Death doing here? Why the hell is he wearing a football helmet in a wrestling ring? And then I said, good Lord, they're Miles Garretting him. He pulled his helmet off and started smacking him with it. Yeah. So the last match wasn't the main event. I did. He said it was the main event. I would love to know how they uh, worked a football helmet swing to the head. Miles Garrett. Matt, did, did they ask Mason Rudolph how to take Yeah, Mason Rudolph, how do you take that? Match six, Butch. A concussion. Yeah, you, you don't. Match six, <laughs> Butch Reed takes on Master G. Landell is still blowing feathers everywhere. <laughs> Reed keeps insulting Master G, and this promo is taking forever, and it doesn't make me more excited for the match. It makes me wonder if it's even going to happen. Eventually, Landell leaves, and out comes Master G. Less than three minutes after the match starts, Landell interferes and gets Reed disqualified as the beatdown is on. Reed goes to the top as Landell holds Master G, and of course, Master G moves. Reed and Master G are on the floor. The Master G tars and feathers Landell in the ring. That's what the feathers were for. Great. More Master G and Butch Reed. Just what we need. The best part of this was Reed almost dropped an F-bomb. He was close. Yep. Master G going to make him say. Nah, 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 nah. What are you? Dave, what, what are, are you doing? Are you showing us Valentine cards? What is going on? <laughs> it's just the 80s, man. Okay. Thank you. Is that Dolph guys. Lundgren? Yeah. <laughs> is it my turn? Yes. We go it's off my turn! We go off the air with a Rock and Roll Express music video as they proudly pose with their gold. Uh, is that a Datsun? I think so. <laughs> Jokes aside, they were it's absurdly over here in 84, and I believe they would continue their feud with the Midnight Express after this. Oh, that's a Porsche. 
Yeah. This show would have wouldn't have been complete without a Joel Watts package. <coughs> Damn. By the way, what what kind of bar are the Rock and Roll Express hanging out in where there are two jukeboxes right next to each other? Well, they had to ride one to the ring. Remember? Remember. First show. Yep. First show we ever did was that one. For Second show. show, Naked Gun. Yep. For show. Diana well, Hart. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please let us know. Give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow our Patreon network at Filter Free Net. And, of course, at Watch On Premiere. As for us, you can find us all on our social media platforms at Can't Call On Davis in Jail. Timmy C. At Timmy C. 1979. Dave. At Dave in the HSV. And I am at T. Stevens 91. Next week, we're going to cover WWE main event from September 4th, 2013. The Middle East is in conflict. The Goldbergs hit the airwaves. Farm Aid is back and so much more. This has been the Filter Free Podcast and so long for now. Joke of the week. What do you call a bear with you? Gummy bear? Gummy bear. <laughs> I got one. I got one. Nerd. TJ gets nine points. There you go.